we all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. Do you have a good Saturday? What do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, so if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. Now this week's guest is stand-up comedian, professional warrior and the bravery enthusiast, James Allen. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. We got there in the end, a few technical issues getting everything sort of uh, aligned at either side of it but uh yeah here we are um now this is this is one of those weird sort of situations where we've actually only met once in person and mm-hmm. that was actually at the last time i did stand up so i haven't wow done, yeah i haven't done stand up since last july uh, and and before that, it, it was March of that year because we've had various lockdowns, and I got booked in to do a spot at Hot Water, and then discovered it was a two-show night, which was great for someone who hadn't been on stage for a while, because we had the first show to kind of find our feet, and then the second show you were a little bit more in the pocket, as it were, and. Uh, I remember we were sort of chatting in the green room and I remember being sort of suitably impressed by your shoe knowledge because like I because it was because it was the first gig I'd done in ages I got mis- I brought myself some fresh sort of uh shoes along uh because I, I do stupid stuff like that and no one else picked up on it but you were like didn't you have some classic slip-ons on a second ago because I'd changed it to like a different silhouette, and you're like, "Wow, he, he, he quoted like the full name of the shoe, mate." I mean, I, I, I can't take all the credit. I mean, uh, my mate Danny McGoughlin is like a massive sneakerhead, but I think certainly more like skate shoe wise, that was more my kind of like wheelhouse. And I did spot a pair of classic slip-ons, which I've not seen for ages. Like they're quite a popular model, and I hadn't seen someone wear them for ages, and I was like. Oh my god, they're phenomenal. Where can I get a pair? Well, it's because it's um, I mean, forgive me for saying it. You 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 don't you don't give off sneakerhead vibes upon yeah. sort of first impressions, and I, I I don't mean that in 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 a detrimental way. I just it just kind of surprised me 
uh, of the the sort of the awareness of the style change. Yeah, I've got a bit of a brogue vibe, I think. <laughs> or a sort of uh, <laughs> a certainly a, a leather shoe vibe. But you've, you, you, yeah, you. I would say that you've got a, like an old head on fairly young shoulders. Like that's, that's yeah. That's definitely the sort of persona that kind of comes across. But we we got on we got on pretty well in the green room, and we we, we both had good gigs. But it's that weird sort of situation where I feel like I know you more because I've listened to you on the Damn Daniel podcast so much. Uh, yeah. Way to put it. You're you're no longer sat in on that podcast because I, I, I gather your sort of your day to day schedule got a bit too hectic to fit it all in. Yeah. And yeah, got got quite busy. But for 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 the for the time that you were on it, it was it was it, one of the best things about the Dan Daniel podcast in that initial incarnation would be the moments when you, Danny and Dean, would make each other laugh to the point of like not being able to function and it would be a really good sort of back and forth because you you know you would quite often get danny but when danny got you like one of the one of the most hilarious sort of outburst laughs and there were quite a few moments where you just had to sort of indulge in the laugh for as long as possible uh, until you were able to sort of gather yourself and carry on and those moments in that podcast were just they made great listening and i'm oh, and I, thanks, I hope man. and i hope you get to go back and visit them and, and participate in episodes again yeah it would be nice there, there, there were definitely moments where it was just a, a definite turn away from the camera very like just lack of professionalism for a minute because every because it's so quick as well like the gag rate on that is just phenomenal that every second you just like Leaving every recording with stomach cramps was the sign of like a good, a good recording. I think. Oh yeah, and and thing is the the wordplay, the 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 rate of wordplay in particular, between you and Danny was always really high. And what I've noticed is over time, Dean's got more and more into wordplay as time's gone yeah. on. Uh, so it's 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 interesting to see how like the 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 sense of humor and the sharpness has kind of evolved over time as well. Yeah, a bit like writing new stuff is like, but you do it with your mates yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> kind of sharpens your skills. And But m- m- music was always a, a regular sort of topic on the podcast, which is why I've got a little bit of an understanding of your musical taste, which is when uh, when you asked me about the rules for doing mixtapes, uh, the first thing I came back to you was, yeah, you're not allowed to pick any bravery songs. <laughs> Mate. When you said that, I thought, like, I kind of knew you were joking a little bit, but then back of my mind, I was like, is he being serious here? Because, like, every every person I've mentioned, like, them too, have said, like, something along the lines of, like, yeah, you, you, you can't be serious with that, surely. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it was just, it's, it's one of those in-jokes from, from being, like, a, uh, a fan of the Dan Daniel podcast was, uh, it, it was just too good an opportunity, too much of an open goal not to sort of stick that jab in. But also, because I think there's a, there's a thing when you listen to podcasts and then you meet the people in real life, there's a danger of being over familiar. And because you were kind of the straight man of that sort of team dynamic, there was maybe uh, an element of you getting a little bit of stick. Uh, and, and, there was a risk of sort of falling in line with that, even though we've actually only met once. There was there was that sort of um, 
that impulse to 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 make little digs like you're part of the crew because and that's another good sign of a good podcast is where you feel like you're sat in a group sort of conversation almost like you're part of it yeah absolutely but uh so yeah i'd like i, I had one dig but i did i i left it at that you make you can dig away i do not mind you're a lovely man so obviously i've got some insight into your musical tastes through the conversations that, that have happened in in there but I'm curious to know how you approached making your mixtape. So this is like, I love this format. I, I love, like, I really wish that I grew up in a era where like, I could have like a physical copy of what I'm, I mean, I know it's on Spotify, that's great. I'm going to listen to it after uh, this goes out. But I, like, I love the idea of mixtapes. I love that they capture a certain time or they can be used to show an emotion to someone I know it sounds really like soppy and boring answer, but I, I just love the concept of compiling some of your favorite songs to fit that mood, to fit how you're feeling, to give to someone. I love stuff like that. So I approached this, I thought, because I'm quite like a nostalgic guy, initially I thought, well, I could pick stuff that like I enjoyed when I was younger. Because it's a bit like Desert Island Discs. Like I'm, I was worried that after we're going to stop recording, I'm like, oh, no. I've forgotten that song. That's definitely got to replace this. And I thought, well, why don't I just pick songs that maybe over like the past two or three years I've just like listened to a lot uh, that I'm maybe not necessarily like familiar with, but I just really, really enjoy listening to uh, and sort of songs that now at the age I am, because, you know, 10 years down the line, I might like something completely different. But for now, I just think currently James Allen, 2021 what is he listening to at the minute okay that's good that's a good approach um obviously we, we've had people take various different uh methods or, or approaches to putting their their playlist together so i think that's fair i had one guest on the original incarnation of the show back in 2017 who literally just went spotify says this is the stuff that i listen to the most so he literally made his 10 tracks out of that Wow, um, and it it, it it was all interesting stuff, and it was great great music to talk about. But it it wasn't necessarily a, a pained over kind of curated list. So I I, pre- I appreciate the effort. Thank you. I've chopped and changed like so much, and then when you ask me for it's a bit like sort of like submitting your dissertation before like this is it now. This you can't go back after this. So, uh, but I'm happy. I'm very happy with what I've chosen. Okay, so who's your first track by? Uh, my first track is by Metronomy, and it's a thing for me. Now, I've I've not listened to Metronomy in any kind of depth, but they have been sort of submitted on previous episodes by other guests. And what I get from them is a tremendous sense of fun. Because yeah. because they, they, they essentially play... They play dance music, but with a live band setup, is, is, is what I gather. Absolutely. I think, like, considering when Joe Mount uh, started out, it was just, like, on his computer in, like, his own, like, local hall. And then he's gradually sort of brought band members in and out to just, like, play with him and their music has evolved from that. And it has got a very sort of party and, like, and dancey vibe as well. But there's also songs that, like, are quite, like, I don't know, it's just, like, a really good range I mean, the bass lines, to be fair, are, like, phenomenal as well. It was just every, like, on a production and, like, 
lyrical value everything is just like flawless and they're strange as well because like they could be really big i think but they're kind of just happy where they are and i kind of like respect that we're just they're in their own lane like yeah because they're they're not dissimilar to someone like hot chip who definitely had yeah they definitely had their moment in the sun and their 15 minutes of sort of mainstream success you feel like metronomy could easily have that same exposure but uh i i, I know what you mean like they're not pushing to be massive. They're not trying to be the next big thing. They're just trying to be the best at what they do in their lane. And I think from what I can see is their fan base loves them for that. Absolutely. Yeah, they're very, um, they're very dedicated. And they don't like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, there's a very healthy pace, I think, in terms of, like, I can, I can sometimes get a bit like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not annoyed, but maybe like uh, disgruntled when there's like bands release albums and don't sort of have like a break. So like, I'd say maybe like every three years is like a good example. You know, I mean, Death From Above 1979 went like 14, 15 years without releasing an album, but like there's bands that just really constantly release songs. And Metronomy have got like a very healthy balance of maybe like every two or three years they kind of pop up with, and I really like that because it like, keeps everything fresh but also allows time just to like enjoy everything else as well Fun yeah because like there's a there's an element of the absence make the heart makes the heart go no, sorry there's an element of absence making the heart grow fonder when yeah. you're you're anticipating the next release but by the same notion when um, when a band just churns new material out all the time you're like this could have been maybe slightly better if you'd have taken yeah. more time before you you pushed this out. And I totally get people who are prolific and just want to keep churning stuff out because it's that maybe it's the the Rolling Stone gathering no moss that sort of get it out there, move on to the next thing. And I can totally understand that. But sometimes when you get an act releasing stuff with like a real high frequency, you can almost get a bit bored of it or a bit tired of them so you end up looking elsewhere absolutely and i think every album kind of like i don't know you, you, i mean i like all their albums but i like them for different reasons and i think if they had like maybe 50 albums it'd be very difficult to me to be like oh well i like this one because because there's 49 other different ones like mm-hmm. i kind of like the sort of it's with all bands really who that I like the intimacy of like connecting to an album in a, in a, in a different way than I than I normally would. My dad actually like so fun, like the reason I got into Metronomy is so bizarre because like it's, it's the ironic thing of like I would try and listen to music and my dad would be like oh turn it off it's rubbish. But we used to watch Jules Holland quite a lot, which sounds weird for, for something like me and my dad would watch, but. Uh, he brought me down and he was like, oh, have you heard this band? And Metronomy were playing. And I was like, that is absolute." Because at that time, I was kind of still in my like pop punk emo phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is absolutely rubbish. Like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That is awful. So I went off in a mood. And then he bought the album, uh, English Riviera, and then he played it in the car. And then he bought like the other two at that point. And then he just sort of played it more and more in the car. And then like sort of viral osmosis, all the songs would get 
caught my head and be like, actually, they're all right, you know, and I didn't want to admit it because I was like, oh, my dad's discovered this really cool band and I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, in, in, in terms of your sort of persona, you you know, you and your dad could be the same age. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone says that about him. He's 46, I think, 45, and he... he I mean, some of his trainers, mate, are unbelievable. Like, he's got pink Nike blazers. Oh, that's upsetting. Your dad is six years older than I am. That's, yeah, that's, that's upsetting. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. So this track is? Right, so this track is a thing for me. So, moving on from metronomy, we have what I feel was a, an inevitability with this mixtape. Who's this track by? This track is by The Bravery, and it's Time Won't Let Me Go. So, I gather this is one of your favourite bands of all time. Mate, it, they, they just pick who I've got next, so I won't spoil, but... Yeah, they're just... I don't know where to begin. I mean, it's so... Because, like, I mean, hands up, I've never seen them live. I never got to see them live. Hopefully I will do when they inevitably return. But when I remember being about seven years old, seven or eight years old, and an honest mistake came on the TV, and I've never had, I don't think, such a sensory reaction to a song since like for since that like i've never reacted the same like i got up started like moving around started dancing started walking along and then in the advent of like spotify and stuff like obviously found the rest of the album and it's they're just like phenomenal i know they get considered as a bit of like the forgotten landfill of indie during the mid noughties but i mean i think people should put more respect of the name like they had issues releasing the uh, second album and the third album with their record label. They got a bit fucked over. There was the whole debate with The Killers and Brandon Flowers came out and said, they're not really a band, they're just a band because The Killers are a band. And I'm like, all right, Brandon, mate, let's take time out, just chill out a bit. <laughs> um, I just really like how they, they, I think they kind of have gotten forgotten, I think, a little bit during that sort of indie boom revival. But just again like especially in this song time and let me go off the second album sun the moon it's, it just relates to me in a way that i don't think any other music has or possibly ever will and it's such so strange that a five-piece band from new york who came along in 2005 and haven't done anything for about 10 years can do that but there you go yeah this song especially is just phenomenal i absolutely love it so what is it specifically about this song? It's it's kind of, I think it's more relevant now than it was when I was maybe sort of 16, 17 listening to it. So it's about like not cherishing, I think, what you already have and kind of 
like he says, if I could go back again, that would change everything. And I do often have that like thought about myself now, like being like I'm, I'm 23 and I've already got like you said before, you're like a, a like a, a young head on old shoulders. I do have that sort of sense of like, oh well, I'm done now, 23, like nothing's nothing's gonna happen. And then the only lyric, uh, whenever I look back on the best days of my life, I, think I saw them all on TV. I did kind of spend <laughs> a lot of summers. Not like I did go out, but a lot of it was indoors, you know, and just watching TV and memorizing pop culture trivia to try and impress people. So it's kind of a sort of like, it's good in a way because it's like, oh, if you had that time again, then you would change a lot of stuff. But, I mean, yeah, but I think, that, that, really. I, think, I think that's true of a lot of people. Like, I think, I think if we all got that chance, we would do things slightly differently. Yeah. Like, I'm very nearly 40. And I'm still realizing sort of things about my own sort of personality and outlooks that I want to tweak and sort of and sort of adopt different behaviors in, in the pursuit of being generally happier. But I mean, to, to, to your comment about being 23 and 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 this is it. I mean, like, just it's it's always it's quite often the case that someone outside of your own bubble can sort of maybe put things into a different perspective not necessarily a better one but to my mind like you are 23 and a, a, a constantly sort of improving and developing stand-up comic who works with a great circle of sort of peers in in this in your scene in the northwest i would kill for that at your age yeah i didn't start stand-up until 32 and w one of my sort of sort of sim similar sort of almost like forlorn regrets is that oh my god can you imagine what would happen if i'd have started this in my 20s do you know what i mean yeah i, I do get that that yeah thank you thank you for that. that does that to, to, to my own detriment i think i can be very like like i'm with him in pessimistic but i really do lean into that like sort of um like nostalgia based sort of world quite quite a lot like I do really wish like I could like the other day I wish I was like oh wouldn't it be great if I could just go back to 2007 when I was like 10 and everything was really simple and like idyllic and I didn't have to worry about like tax or you know I could just go and watch the new Transformers film for my birthday or something like obviously I know that you can't ignore those things and they're a part and parcel of life you know like everything you evolve as a human being, you have to sort of adapt to society and at some point you do have to grow up, but I still have a constant sort of toil and tussle with like that idea and I think this song kind of manifests that perfectly. I mean, a lot of people like, I mean, yourself and councils have told me, like, oh, you're only like 23. And I know that, like, I know that like, I don't like to admit it, I don't know, oh yeah, I'm younger, but loads of time, but like, I, I do worry that in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, probably the window's closing. <laughs> oh my God, James. <laughs> the window is not closing. Mate, I've got, I've got two years left on my rail card. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a metric to measure your life on, James. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this track is... Uh, this is the bravery with Time Won't Let Me Go. 
All right. Uh, moving on, probably somewhat reluctantly for you, uh, from the bravery. Who are we listening yeah. to now? Uh, we're listening to Queens of the Stone Age now with uh, Freezing Sevens. So I love this band. It's, yeah. it's probably the last time I went to see a rock band play and actually get stuck in in the mosh pit. And this is, I mean, this and this is going back to when this this particular album came out. And it was it was one of those instances where I was so drenched in sweat by the time I came out that <laughs> I had to buy one of those cheap knockoff T-shirts outside the venue just oh, to change boy. into because it was cold outside. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd, I've got a great affection for the Queens of the Stone Age. Um, I didn't get into them that much on the first couple of albums, but certainly Songs for the Deaf was the one that really kind of sort of opened my eyes yeah. to, to what they did. Uh, and I've gone through the back catalogue since. And I feel like, for me, I, whenever, whenever the sub, subsequent albums came out, I always wanted another Songs for the Deaf, but they, they were never sort of of a mind to sort of just recreate that kind of perfect album. They've, they've always wanted yeah. to do their own thing. And there's a, there's a roughness and a rawness to a lot of the material that they put out. This track is a lot of fun, though. It, yeah, it, you, you've, you've summed that up perfectly, really. I think, like, and again, where where I when I decided to choose this, my my, my dad is like, he, he's probably kind of respond. He's like the spine throughout this podcast. He's kind of like responsible for, you know, the majority of, of the music that's on here. So, Irreval Garris is my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album. I mean, like, Songs of a Death is, you know. That's, that's red, that's like obviously up there, it's God tier. But uh, I remember when it came out, in 2007 it came out, and me and my dad had to go to the local library to pre-order it, because he was like that excited about it. I remember it coming, like this cool like pink and green case, put it in the first track. Oh, mate, just from 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 that part, when turning on the screw comes on, you hear that like guitar. There's something like that whole desert rock, like I'm getting goosebumps speaking about it. I absolutely love like the, the the crunchiness, the fuzziness of the guitars, the drums, the sort of like big hulking bass. Like they they just but they create a sound that is just oh, it's just perfect. There, like, there's a very distinguishable thickness to the guitar sound for the oh, whole sort yeah. of desert rock scene, you know. And, and and a lot of those bands are kind of interconnected, and you know, Queens of the Stone Age and Caius and people like that. There's a yeah, there's 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 a lot of weight to to the guitar sound that comes out of that whole scene. And I've watched so many videos on like uh, YouTube tutorials on like how to sound like Queens of the Stone Age for like one hundred pounds, and like they show you what to buy and stuff, and like just to replicate anything like that, like on that guitar. And Freezing Sevens is like I, I, I can play that on on bass just, but like it's it's absolutely crazy. Like the time scales in the song are really weird, but I think it just encapsulates everything I love about the band, like Joshua Hom singing his singing his heart out, like a big, lovely, crunchy guitar, some nice bass, you know, some some cracking drums. It's oh, I I could talk about them all day. Like I went to see them live a few years ago, and they performed this, and I just completely like lost my shit to the point where, so it was in the Manchester Arena, 
and I was in, I was seated sadly, but obviously when you watch a band like Queens of a Stone Age, Michael, you're not on your you're not on your bum for very long, are you? <laughs> you know, you'd you'd stand up even if you were seated. Yeah. I stood up as soon as they came out, and I got a tap on my shoulder from uh, from a couple who went, um, "Would you mind sitting down, please? Just so we can't see." I was like, "Come on!" Like, I no, I I wouldn't argue. I'm not a really argumentative person. But at that point, I was like, "It's Queens of Stone Age. I'm not going to sit down for Queens of Stone Age. Not, but you know, it's not it's not Johnny Flynn. You know, it's not like it's not Jeffro Tull. You know what I mean? Like." I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up. So I didn't stand up. I compromised, and I just sort of hovered, like just sort of squatted, oh, didn't really geez. sit down on the chair. Why don't you just offer them your seats? And no, then you... Oh, that's a very good point. That's and not... then you could stand up behind them, but you were hunched songs. over like some sort of Nosferatu, Queen to the Stone Age fan. Yeah. <laughs> For about two songs, I was just sort of like this. <laughs> great i'm loving it having a great time for the benefit of the listener james is mo- uh, mimicking quasimodo for the camera <laughs> so uh yeah it's uh I, mate that's hilarious i could have picked any song from queens of Estate. like i like i, I listen to them every, them in the bravery i will listen to every day that's like my my requisite but i and this as well this also appears on guitar hero free the song which me and my dad like played to death mm-hmm. so it's it holds a special place uh, in both our hearts i think I love it. So this is? This is Queens of the Stone Age with threes and sevens. So I'm going to point out another area in which you're you're probably luckier than you realise. In that, I don't have a whole lot of music that was sort of passed down to me or shared with my old man. Love my old man bits, but we don't have much in common that we sort of talk about. You know, we get on fine. You know, love the bits, but um, like when you talk about a lot of the music. Like your dad being like this sort of sort of focal point in the music, your musical development over the years. Like when you started talking about that, I was quite envious. I was just like, "Oh, that's nice." Well, I I should point out like I don't I don't mind like saying this. He's not like, but he's he's he he is my stepdad. But because uh, my when my mum talks about like my real dad, he was like he didn't really like music, and I was like, that is bizarre. But yeah, he he he. I remember the the first time being in the car with him. And he was like, have you heard of Metallica? And I was like, no. And then he put on like, Sad But True. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, is this phenomenal? And he's like, this one's called Songs of the Deaf. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. He's, he was very much like a sort of teacher, really. <laughs> it was great. No, I'm, I'm, I'm truly envious of that. So moving on from Queens of the Stone Age, what are we listening to now? So this is like quite a, a, a rapid change. Um, this is like a relatively recent one that's added to add. This is the dramatics with If You Haven't Got Love. So obviously, so far we've had sort of indie rock and roll sort of sensibilities and some some more kind of contemporary sort of metal with the Queens of the Stone Age. So this is a bit of a left-hand turn. This is a bit yeah. of a left turn. So how do you get into the dramatics? So, um, a couple of years ago, 
I went to a cinema to watch a movie called uh, Detroit, which Catherine Bigelow film about uh, the Detroit riots uh, in the 60s. And there's, there's an amazing scene. Uh, I don't know, I, I, I just, I'm probably getting this wrong, but I, think, I don't know if it is a, the actors playing with dramatics or it's a similar Motown band. And they're about to perform and then uh, because of the uh, the riots in the city, they get told, I'm sorry, you can't go on in front of a whole crowd, like just before they're about to go on. And they're absolutely gutted. And then like the lead singer, like, the crowd filters out and there's no one there. The lead singer comes out and he takes the microphone out and he sings this. And it's one of the most like powerful things I think I've ever seen. So I had to listen to it afterwards. I got the soundtrack and listened to it. And this is just, this just blows me away. And I kind of like, you know, I'm not like well-versed in the sort of Motown era of music. Like I, I can probably only select a handful of songs uh, to, to choose from, much to my own detriment. I should, you know, probably listen to some more. But I listened to this and it just like completely blew me away. Like it gave me that sort of like goosebumpy like feeling. And yeah, you know, you might be a rich man with a world on a string but with all your riches, you haven't got everything. I was like, oh, just perfect. Just like, you know, it proper, like, proper got to my soul. I just, I absolutely love this. It's great. Okay, so this is? This is the dramatics with If You Haven't Got a Look. Okay, moving on from the dramatics, who are we listening to now? Next, we're listening to The Black Keys. Uh, this is Everlasting Light. Now, we're kind of back on track with the sort of indie rock and roll direction that you kind of kicked off with. And this track, when I, when I was listening to it, 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 the first thing that struck me was that the percussion for this and the sort of time signature of it is is very sort of Beatles-esque. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the drums, it sounds... Um... The kind of plodding tempo of it reminds me a little bit of uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah, I was going to say A Day in the Life. Like, it sound, it does sound like, uh, especially, yeah, the percussion on it is very Beatles-esque. It's probably, like, not your typical, like, Black Keys choice. Um, you know, like obviously known for like bluesy, like fuzzy stuff. But um, I remember hearing this on like a, on a skateboard video uh, for I think for like DVS. Um, and yeah, again, it just like I mean, I'm not saying like every song I listen to has to have a goosebump factor, but I listened to it again and just got like very sort of like warm. Nice feeling. I didn't know it was Dan Auerbach singing on the song at first. I thought it was like someone completely different because it doesn't sound like how he would normally sing on like the well, rest it's, of the it's album. It's interesting you say that because that's the first time I ever heard them as well. I think that track's called Girl Is On My Mind. And right. I, I heard that track separate to the skate vid and I was like, oh, they would be so good for a section on a skate video. Yeah. And then the DVS video was put in front of me and went, oh man, it's been done. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're, they're another band that I think 
I think like, they were cherished by those in the know for a long time. And then they achieved re you know, real commercial success when Attack and Release came out. And they were they just kind of became beloved by all. And some of your hardcore fans will get turned off by that when yeah. when a band becomes almost mainstream, not not by their own choice, but because the masses have kind of uh, wised up to them. Um, and I do feel like ever since then their sound has become a little bit more polished and a little bit more produced. Yeah. And you miss the rawness that made them cool in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely understand. It's it's strange because that can take away from a lot. Like, I don't want to be too picky on Royal Blood here, but I've noticed that in the latest Royal Blood album is that that's kind of been like stripped stripped away like it's kind of become a bit more and maybe more so in this album like this album brothers i remember when that came out like i hadn't heard any album prior because this one was the most like commercially um like pushed through at that time um and that's what i kind of like about this song is that it doesn't have that it still has that rawness it still has that like sort of natural progression and sort of you know like melody and it's not there's no one in the studio pushing up faders too high or too low yet. Just, just like a really nice, beautiful song. Lyrics as well. I mean, like, love is the coal that makes this train roll. I'm a sucker for a good, you know. I wrote a lot of poems in sick form to girls um, who didn't go out with me. But... <laughs> I was going to say, that's not a surprising statement. You, <laughs> you know, you writing poems of, you know, to... You know, of unrequited love. Uh, yes, um, there's a tragicness uh, ab yeah, ab mean, about you sometimes, James. Um, it, it's one thing writing a Black Keys song that's lovely as this, and it's another writing to a to a girl. Well, he actually emailed it to her, and I said, um, I said, when I see you, my heart does it flip. You're the YouTube advert I don't want to skip. <laughs> Which. I'm not uh, saying I should be poet laureate, but at least I should be within a shout. So, what is it about this track, though? I think, uh, as much as I like, oh, uh, as much as I like "Tighten Up" and uh, "Howling for You" on this, I think it is just the, the sort of the changing voice from Dan. Like, it, it, this sounds like a genuine, like, really nice, like, love song, but it doesn't quite overdo it. It's not like a a ballad it's just a nice gentle lovely song but it can complement anything like it, it it can be used on it could be i mean my friend said james a lot of the songs on here could be used in an advert for a peugeot and i think he summed that <laughs> up perfectly like <laughs> I, I would i would say that, that there's an optimism to this track whereas yeah whereas bef whereas with the majority of the material there's there's you know there's there's probably more weight placed upon the the hook and the the rhythms and the riffs, whereas this one is maybe more about sentiment. Yes, absolutely. And all the way through, it just kind of maintains that, like the drums don't change. I don't think it just maintains that sort of nice journey all the way through. Whereas on tracks on the rest of the album, like you said, a lot is reliant on like, right, 
there's gotta be a heaviness of guitar here or a change of pace mm-hmm. or a solo whereas this just like i really like that it just yeah it's a good way of putting it just it carries on from start to finish all the way through okay so this is this is the black keys with everlasting light Okay, so moving on from the Black Keys, we have what is possibly my favourite track on your playlist. Yeah, uh, and, again, and, another recent. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering why you picked it, which we'll get into in a second. But I, I heard this, and I knew I'd heard it somewhere before. Well, here you go. So this is the ver with this is the day. Now. Like, you could argue that 10 songs I pick, they could all be bands that have the in the front of them, because I do like the bands, but the the. Uh, this song, like you said, I heard it somewhere and then completely, like, like just lost out of my brain. And obviously, there's not an app. Like, Shazam hasn't progressed to the point of where you can go, can you read my thoughts, please, and tell me what this song is? You know, technology hasn't come that far yet. But... I, I was with my girlfriend in December in Cheshire Oaks shopping outlet and I was in the Levi's and I heard this do 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 and I was like I've definitely heard this somewhere and then she was like oh yeah it's the verb this is the day and I was like oh I can't like this is this is amazing and I Spotify they added to my playlist unreal just absolutely unreal it's your perfect 80s pop song the way the synth builds um you know the lyrics the nice drums everything like i'm all about everything coming together like and this does it perfectly it's so good and i think as well it's also on a skateboard video isn't it it is that's 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 it's just when i heard it i was just like oh this is like something you would hear in the credits of a, a girl or chocolate video or something like that. Like it's, yeah. this has got a skate section written all over it. And I apologize to the listener that hears me say this all the time, but skateboarding broadened my musical horizon something fierce because of all the media that gets like associated with the music. So, and I couldn't place it. And I had to, I had to post on Facebook going, what skate section was this song used on? And a friend of mine, previous guest, Sonny Randoa, came back with ex- with exactly where I heard it, uh, which was even more impressive because he is not a skateboarder. He had the name ah. of the video, knew this section, and like the whole soundtrack to that video is amazing. And it was used on Bacon Destroy. Oh, wow. So. Who's the skater? It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a collection of skaters. It starts with uh, Kevin Spanky Long. It's got Dustin Dolan. It's got Neck Face in that section, and then it ends around uh, the I can never pronounce his surname, Brandon Zafarowski or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 because this track has a, such a good sense of fun, it really yeah. suits like a. A montage of people goofing around on skateboards. You know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's amazing footage in there that you know, like, 
absolutely justifiable sort of section footage, but there's a lot of silly goof around skating and, and sort of horseplay sort of weaved in uh, in and out of that whole sort of section. So uh, it suits it really, really well. Uh, I, I will put a link to it in the show notes for yeah. anyone who's interested. It's the perfect antithesis to the Brave one I was on about earlier. And I know it sounds a bit like pessimistic about that song, but this is like the opposite. This is like, you know, that obviously this is the day your life will surely change. Like it's about like doing stuff like that, like going out and like skateboarding or doing something positive and uplifting. Like, I know it sounds a bit like dreary and the synth makes it sound a bit like moody, but in fact, it's, it's like a song that like, I think is filled with optimism. And can I just say how lucky you are to have a girlfriend who performs like Shazam and, and names such a, yeah. a, a deep cut song? I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how do you know that? She said, oh, like, my dad listens to it. I was like, oh, like, thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Just everything just so went, oh. It's, it's, like, it's like when something's, when well, you're struggling for the name of something or you've got something on the tip of your tongue and somebody just delivers it to you and bursts that bubble and you get that there is a form of relief that you get from going i don't have to worry about where i know that thing now thank you yeah absolutely just everything was perfect Okay, so moving on from the the, who's up next? Yeah. So this next is uh, this is the killers with read my mind. It's quite um. Obviously, we've we've bounced between sort of tracks that have a kind of wistfulness and a and a sense of kind of melancholia to to tracks that have got a bit more bounce and a bit more optimism. This is definitely more on the nostalgic tip that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think you, you again, you've summed that up like perfectly, like melancholia. Uh, that would, I think that would describe this playlist brilliantly. Um, I've mentioned a lot about my dad being the sort of music, the musical force, uh, but this one is actually like a bit of like a little shout out to my mum as well. Um, so, it's kind of sacrilege putting this in here, really, because the Killers and the Bravery, much like oil and water, shouldn't really mix. Um, but uh, Read My Mind off of uh, Sam's Town. Uh, my mum is like a huge Killers fan. She like idolises Brandon Flowers. Um, and I remember her getting getting a hot fuss uh, and playing that in the car constantly. And then on like road trips with me and mum and my dad, she, she'd have Sam's Town on. And this song would always like get the three of us mainly me and her to like to sing it and it's it's kind of like our karaoke uh karaoke favorite really it's what we specialize in uh so every time this comes on we, we kind of have to both stop what we're doing and, and belt it out but it's it's a great song again like sort of quite optimistic melancholic all sort of like the james allen circle is kind of it's kind of uh it's kind of fit, filled with uh with all that kind of stuff so it, it, it um it suits me perfectly i think yeah, it's it's nice that you've got songs with both parents that you've got this kind of connection over. I think that's, I mean, you know, I'm, and I'm not I'm not taking the mick or anything like, but it's very sweet that you've got these sort of 
musical tent poles that are kind of connected to to both respective parents. I think that's that's I think that's kind of cool if I'm honest, mate. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I think I mean I think I don't want to sound like uh, again soppy again, but I think without them, I don't know what like I'd kind of end up listening to. Like, my mum's responsible for like obviously them and like sort of eighties sort of like nineties side, and then my dad sort of brought all of his with him. So yeah, they've 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 kind of helped sort of laid a path for me really musically to find uh, what I like listening to. So yeah. Um, and I think I know, they've never thought that as well. But since compiling this, I have got a lot to thank them for, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with like a, with like a band like the Killers, they're a, they're a band who had like a meteoric rise, and they kind of they went away for a little bit, and then they came back and headlined Glastonbury, and a lot of people were wondering if they could actually cut the mustard, and they absolutely nailed it. They re- yeah. they <clears throat> they really put on a show, and so like. I never thought ill of them, but maybe because they were possibly a little bit overplayed on the radio, I was maybe a yeah. little, little tired of some of their material. But then I watched an episode of Song Exploder where they broke down uh, when you were young. I think it's so, like literally they break down the writing and recording process and the production. And it's the whole episode's maybe 15 minutes. And it just made me appreciate them so much more, seeing yeah. the building process of that track. They, they kind of, they kind of fell into the um, the Kings of Leon trap a little bit, or certainly came close. Like, like obviously, Mr. Brightside is regarded as like the backup national anthem. I think in in uh, in, in England, like it gets played all the time, as as, as does like Sex on Fire. So they're kind of like. I wouldn't say one and the same, but we've definitely got like a huge popularity in the UK. And I think you're right, like watching something like that, when you break down the songwriting process, like it's not to say that I never thought Brandon Flowers wasn't a good songwriter or that the Killers weren't a good band. It's just because when you've got that level of popularity, you just it, it, like, it just becomes, I don't know, like sort of synonymous with like, like cold, it just becomes like a collective term, like mm-hmm. Killers, Coldplay, it just becomes like a, a universal thing and then that sort of like can dilute uh, your affection or dilute the music but it never really has with the killers I mean I maybe not necessarily listen to them as much as I do now but they're not like you know I mean I don't want to sort of insult anyone who likes any form of band really but let's say for example like you know they're not aqua you know what I mean like they're not (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like yeah. they, they they've got a lot more substance than than that. you know. There's there's nothing disposable about them. Whereas like something, the one hit wonders like that, although they they hold their kind of their place in time. Uh, I think, I think maybe with a band like this, you might not think to play them very often. Now now that they've kind of had their heyday but when their music does come on quite often you find yourself going oh man I love this yeah yeah and I think that's exact. that really does kind of encapsulate them as like ah oh yeah I do like this song which is absolutely fine like a lot of people kind of think that's like especially with one hit wonders like is it's a it's a timestamp, but I don't necessarily think that would be killers and like you say I think there's there's, there's definitely substance there, and mm-hmm. I kind of think they get 
I mean, okay, Brandon Flowers, we're still on bad ground because of what you said about uh, the bravery, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they've definitely, you know, earned their right to be as, as, as big as they are. So this track is? This is The Killers with Read My Mind. Killers, who are we listening to now? Uh, we're listening now to Hooten Tennis Club with Powerful Pierre. What a fantastic um, name for a band. It, 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 it is phenomenal. I mean, this again holds another special place in my heart um, because Hooten Tennis Club is about five minutes down the road from me. Um, they're a local band from the Wirral um, who I absolutely uh, adore. Um, I first heard them, I think, when they were supporting Bill Ryder-Jones, or Bill Ryder-Jones may have retweeted them. Uh, and as soon as I saw Hooten, I was like, well, that's nowhere where I live. I've got to listen to it. And I heard that powerful Pierre blew me away. Like, again, combines everything. I love that kind of, like, crunchy guitar, nice underlying hulking bass, excellent drums, and the fact that they're only 10 minutes down the road is phenomenal like they're the reason i nearly got a job uh i remember the employer asking me what music i like i was like oh this is a band hooten tennis club and they're like oh i went to school with them they're really lovely guys i was like oh cool um one of them gave me the bass tab for this song over lockdown the bass player cal like i went to see them live a few years ago with my, my best mate pato and just to, like to, to have that i mean you know i mean i never the, the world's like a really weird place. Like obviously there's the Coral, the Lars, um, but you know, this is a band I think I could really attach myself to and be proud of like, you know what, they're from like where I'm from. Like obviously I never had the grandeur of like an Oasis or a Blur um, or anything like that. So it's kind of nice that I've got this, like, you know, they're, they're from where I'm from, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's a sort of um, an attachment and a sort of a point of pride that you can claim when it's from your town. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally get that. And I, I love there's the, there's a there's an edginess and an energy to this track that is really infectious. Like it's it, it's really in your face. And it's hard, it's hard to articulate exactly what it is about this song, but I kind of, I liken it to like the, like original OK Go tracks, like Get Over It, that sort yeah. of precocious, here's an opinion, we don't care what you think, um, energy to it, basically. Absolutely, and that's probably like off of... Um... Highest Point in Clifftown, the, the first album, which is obviously, that's probably the, the, the heaviest one on the track, to be fair. The rest are kind of like uh, very, very, very melodic and, uh, and and like obviously like still have a similar tempo, but not as like sort of jarring as cutting as this. So it was like a really nice, I wouldn't say break from the album, but a change of direction, really. I mean, I've used this to like come on to gigs too and stuff. Like it really kind of like pumps you up, but at yeah. the same time, like offers something offer something different yeah they're, they're, I, I love them they're absolutely great 
Um, I still don't know what powerful PI means, but... Uh, <laughs> so this is? This is Hooten Tennis Club with Powerful Pierre. Okay, so moving on from Hooten Tennis Club, what's up next? So, yeah, we're going over about five minutes uh, down the road again to Bill Ryder Jones with uh, You're Getting Like Your Sister. Now, I hadn't heard Bill Ryder Jones before you sent your playlist over, and I was listening to this track today, and this track is pretty sinister. Yeah, I mean... um, yeah, the, the the lyrics do get a bit sort of sort of weird, but um, it's odd that this album, "A Bad Wind Blows in My Heart," kind of uh, got me over like, the sinisterness. Kind of got me over a bad time um, uh, a few years ago, and I remember hearing this track like as soon as it like the drums kicked in. I was like, "This is amazing!" And again, like sort of tapped into exactly like how I was feeling at that point in time um but yeah I get that the lyrics can be a bit what does he say like yeah I didn't mean to hurt you that's just how things are I mean it does sound a bit like sinister but he does sound quite like remorseful in it um but yeah I just just the sheer like there's something about the guitar and the drums on that track that completely like blew me away and every time it does come on I do get a little bit uh teary teary eyed but he's so never does, performed it live. So does it snap you back to that moment when you were kind of going through stuff and is that why you get emotional? Yeah, not necessarily like what the song's about, but just the fact that like it was on. And there's something about the way the guitar's played like makes me feel very, uh, feel very sort of weird and uncomfortable and emotional. It's one that like, I think if I, think if I listened to it over and over again, then I'd become sort of, kind of numb to it but the fact that I only revisit it at like certain points like it still has an impact <clears throat> yeah it preserves the impact yeah because um, the thing is like, and I've said this before in previous episodes it's like when you're going through something like that you kind of have to listen to music that that what's the that kind of resonates with with your mood you, you know, you can't just put happy music on and, and it will change your mood because it, it doesn't work that way. You need to listen to music that is in tune with whatever it is you're going through and, and whatever your emotional state is because you almost need to wallow in it for a while so that you can get past it and move on. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And that, that was the kind of things that after I listened to it, I'm like, ah, I'm all right now. Like, that's okay. It's fine. Everything's going to be all right. Uh, but then, yeah, every time I hear it, it's like, whew, okay, got to like, sort of stop what I'm doing for a minute and, uh, and, and just listen to it fully. And he's phenomenal, Bill. Like, you know, there's, it's, even on the, the, the album after this, uh, West Kirby County Primary, like, there's, there's songs that, like, still deliver that same, like, emotional gut punch, I think. Um, and that's why, like, I, 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 I really like it. It's, def- it's definitely not an album that, like, I'd maybe put on in a car with friends with 
but it's certainly something that like I kind of like is it like I can listen to in my own time I mean I'm really worried that I'm coming across as like I wouldn't say depressed during this podcast but kind of like very sad and melancholic like no because because look we've we've had we've had moments of levity and and we've we've poked fun uh uh the music and, and you and we've we you know we've laughed about absolutely the the musical choices you've made but you're absolutely right this is perhaps music that's m- more for solo listening and being a bit introspective it's not the sort of thing that you can put on for friends because it's it's maybe it's more somber it's you know it's it's, it's yeah it's not necessarily uh music to be shared it, in that kind of way, it's not like it's not like you could put this on like uh, in a car share on the way to a gig. Maybe on the way back, if one of you has died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that new stuff, bomb mate. But listen to this; this will sort you out. <laughs> Look, that's, um, well, I tell you what, we'll put this song on, and we'll all feel as sad as you do right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you know, great, what? you know what? You know what? It's been so long at this point. Like, I would take a death. Like I, I like yeah, I, I, uh, I long, I long for a for a death, a comedy death. People, I'm not getting maudlin here. Um, I tell you what it is, mate. Like I've I've literally put comedy to one side until things kind of get more opened up, so I can actually sort of put myself back into it. Because if I'd have carried on trying to write and keeping an eye on the forums and 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 trying to get gigs, I think it just would have made me sad. So I've kind of put it yeah. to one side and focused everything on putting the podcast out. And I've kind of been reticent to throw my hat back into the ring because it, there's an element of, uh, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of gigs happening again. And I was supposed to do a gig. My first gig back was maybe supposed to be last month. And that was Liverpool. And I think the venue pulled on the promoter literally the day before. Um so I got that sort of email. I got an email and then a text going, can you just let me know that you've seen this email? Because he, he he was terrified that I was going to drive all the way to Liverpool to to this gig and the the venue was going to be closed. I think it's very healthy to to feel like that. And I, I definitely feel like that more so now with a lockdown. Is like, it's kind of, it's like, it's fine to kind of park, park it a bit. Because mm. like, everyone's in the same position. It doesn't seem like there's like a big rush to get back. If anything, it kind of you can take everything at your own pace, really. I think, and that's what's like like nice about it. Yeah, I think my thing is the fact that because I've not written anything new, I'll be coming back with the same set that I was doing before the lockdown, which is, and I'm 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 one of those acts that will polish and polish and polish the same set for a long period of time to the point where it's really really consistent and to my detriment i don't go out of my way to to work on new stuff at the same time at different gigs yeah it's the eternal struggle of like you like what you've got but you're worried to add anything in there because you're worried to like spoil the apple car or completely ruin the vibe that you're on like it's 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 very strange like i was the same i came back a gig uh went to my first gig back and just did did all my old stuff and i was really worried to like drop anything new in there because i thought oh no i I don't my first gig back after like nearly a year to be absolutely 
shocking. Yeah, and at the, but at the same time, there's that sort of imposter syndrome where you feel that maybe your your fellow comics might judge you for not coming back with new stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, we've you know, are they thinking we've seen you do this a lot? Come on, make an effort. Okay, so moving on from Bill Ryder Jones, we find ourselves at your final track. But before we get stuck into that, for the benefit of anyone who is hearing about you for the first time, where's the best place to find out about who you are and what you do? You can find me uh, on Instagram at JamesAllen27, uh, on Twitter at JamesAllen27, uh, and you can Google YouTube. Uh, the Google YouTube, so you can YouTube James Allen Comedian, uh, and, I, and I should come up if you want to check me out. Um, I did like a mini Euro show uh, on my Instagram over the tournament that was really fun. I had people on to chat about the, the footy. If you want to check that out, you can. Um, I tweet the bravery every day um, <laughs> on Twitter uh, in the hope that they'll come back and ask me to film a documentary about them. So that's in the works, unofficially. Um, so yeah, Twitter and Instagram are the main ones uh, you, you, can, you can find me on. Wicked, we'll make sure we link to all of that in the notes. All right, so who's the last track by? Uh, my last track is by LCD Sound System, and it's New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down. So this is the kind of... What's the word? This is maybe the exception to the rule in terms of a lot of LCD sound system material, and that this is yeah. very down-tempo. So like, usually an LCD sound system track it's very upbeat. Uh, again, they're like, they're like an, ele- an electronic group, but with the sensibilities of a live band. But you, you've you picked a track that is the exception to the rule. Yeah. It, I mean, I've chosen two songs here that kind of, to end it, that probably are quite down-tempo, but I think this kind of ties everything all up uh, in, a nice, in a nice crescendo. So it starts off, starts off quite glib and then finishes like just masterfully i think yeah this my i remember in year nine me and my friend robin were trying to form a, a band and it was just me and him before we formed with the other two members and we were thinking of songs we could do as like a two-piece so it was like a lot of white striped stuff and then he said have you heard this I, I heard i played this when i went to new york and i was like oh okay and uh because we could do the piano and the drums together and i heard it and it's just like James Murphy is an absolute like icon. He's a hero, and the way his voice is cadenced, the way that like just the way the bass feels, it's not played too roughly. It's just played really nicely. The sort of echoiness of the piano that it sounds like it's being played on its own in like a big church. The, the way he talks about he hates New York, but he comes up with this amazing lyric that says, "You're still the one pool where I'd happily drown," which. I think anyone who doesn't like where they're from can attribute to their hometown. Like, it just ties up everything nicely at the end of a big crescendo of drums, big falsetto of like, you know what? Maybe where I'm from isn't all right, but it's my town and I really like it. And I know there's a lot of, especially during that indie boom, there were a lot of bands that were like that and did songs like that. But this is done in a way that's just 
really raw and just doesn't mess about and cuts to the point. Yeah, there's it definitely points to like a love-hate kind of relationship with, with a place and it felt almost like end credits music to me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah, I felt like if I was finishing this, that's what I'd play over it. It's like roll credits, have this over it, boom, finito. Beautiful. Yeah, it definitely feels like it would be on the end of a film. All right, well, look, thank you so much for coming on, James. We've, we've been trying to nail this down for a while and yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I knew I would. Um, you, you meet quite a few people in green rooms sometimes and you do, you do pleasantries and, you know, there's... There's all that sort of there's a there's a familiarity you get when you sort of happen upon them going oh hi mate but like honestly when I met you I was just like I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna like that guy uh, and, oh, uh, and, I've, you, and and I've been proven proven right thoroughly enjoyed it mate mate thank you so much I've, this well, I've, this is like my wheelhouse so I've absolutely loved doing this thank you honestly mate so much for having me it's, it's been great New York I love you but you're freaking me out. So that concludes this week's episode with the very genuine and earnest James Allen. And re-listening to the conversation in the edit, I realised that James is perhaps guilty of something that a lot of us do when we look back to a point in time and dwell on what we could have done differently or how we could have done more or done better. And while that's completely natural, I think the risk is that it comes at the expense of not making the most of what we could be doing now. And this is one of these little unexpected perspectives that can come out of a conversation that is supposed to be just about music and very often becomes about life. And I'm grateful for that. So as always, we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to James's mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. Baby, mother, tell me the truth.